Hello and welcome back to the Master Your Voice podcast, a podcast for singers about singing. I'm your host, vocal pedagogue and soprano, Heidi Voss. Well, today I am thrilled to be starting season two of the Master Your Voice podcast. We start the season off with a singer spotlight where you get to meet Lola. Lola is an incredible independent artist who really blew up over the pandemic. She's got lots of wonderful ideas about the music industry and some helpful tips about how independent artists can find their way. So I look forward to you listening and learning all about this amazing young artist. Without further ado, my conversation with Lola. Well, today on the Master Your Voice podcast, I am thrilled to welcome Lola. Lola. <laughs> Do you ever use your last name? Um, not really, no. It's kind of just Lola. Is Lola it a space Um, Yeah. Okay, so I won't use it. I'll yeah. be careful okay. not to use it. Because Lola is actually your name. Yes. Lola's actually your name. It is. Well, I'm thrilled to bring you on for what I like to refer to as a singer spotlight so that we can have a conversation about you and your music and hopefully inspire other singers because you're doing some really, really cool things with your performing career. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's just jump right in. Lola, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, more specifically Woodland Hills. So a valley girl? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And where did you go to school? Um, I went to Cal Lutheran University for college. Tell us a little bit about your major. Um, I was actually a communications major, so I started off as a music production major. Um, Didn't really like the production side of music. I'm really into writing music and playing music, but I just really didn't click with the production side, so I switched to communications because it was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you feel like the communications major served you well in terms of what you're doing with marketing with your music? Honestly, I wish I could say that I did, but a lot of the stuff like that I learned about marketing, I kind of learned on my own before I started doing the major. The major was more about theories. Yeah. Well, we're going to definitely get into that because we've got some questions for you. Okay. <laughs> some of the things you're doing with, um, with marketing in particular with your music and your music in general. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a little bit about yourself. So how long have you been singing? Um, I started singing, or I started doing musical theater when I was seven years old, and then I started taking singing lessons when I was 10 or 11, and I haven't really stopped since. So since you were little. Yeah. (laughs) Did you always know you wanted to be a singer? Yeah. At first, I really wanted to be on Broadway. Growing up, I was just so obsessed with being in musicals, but the acting part and the memorizing, blocking, and dancing part always stressed me out, and the only part I enjoyed was the singing, and then I realized that I could just do singing without all the other stuff, and I was like, that's so much better. It's so much better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the question, too, then, that begs the question, how did you discover your own sound? Because a lot of times when you grow up and you're doing musical theater, you Mm -hmm. tend to mimic all the other people do musical yeah. theater. <laughs> Definitely. I remember growing up with some singing teachers, I would only learn to sing like for, you know, musical theater and um not being good at vibrato kind of helped me because then I never got stuck kind of singing that way, I guess. And so 
I really just started writing my own music and just kind of found my sound through writing, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. So then, this is get, already getting into much more interesting territory mm-hmm. than the stupid questions I have on this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I always like to do. I want to get into an organic conversation about your music and what you do. Mm-hmm. So you came from musical theater. Yeah. You started writing your own music. Now, did you start playing piano at a young age? Yeah, I actually started taking piano lessons in first grade. So that's something I've been doing for a really long time. But the thing is, I never practiced. So... It's kind of like... <laughs> Don't I, say that too loudly. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I ended up practicing in 10th grade, but from 1st grade through 10th grade, I just had practiced when the teacher was there, and so I know I could have been a lot better if I had actually practiced, but um, it helped me kind of just like learn my scales, and eventually I memorized a bunch of stuff. But then in 10th grade, I got really, really motivated to start playing classical music, and so I practiced for hours every single day. Wow. And um, at the same time, I was just really, really getting into piano and songwriting too, and my teacher was teaching me chords and like... 10th grade was really the year that like got me kind of good at piano I guess so you like something in 10th grade just popped yeah I usually find that I find that with really strong musicians that there's a Mm -hmm. point in their life whether it's they have a mentor or that something just happens where they're just like this is the thing I want to focus on definitely I remember also that like a lot of like my motivation comes from like just other people and I remember like there was this guy like that was like whoa like it's so cool when people can play this song on piano and I was like okay like and I like, like well cute boy yeah. and I'll play piano but then I was like screw the guy like this is great you know <laughs> you know what sometimes those are the best the best bouncing off points like it doesn't matter if the guy sticks around in fact most of the time they won't yeah exactly so but the great. residual is pretty darn awesome <laughs> yeah right? exactly I love that that's amazing so 10th grade you kind of exploded playing the piano when did you write your first song um, I kept trying to write songs 8th grade through, like, 10th grade, but then, like, junior year, 11th grade of high school was my first time writing a song I was actually happy with. Yeah. So, junior year, and you finished it? Yeah, I finished it. It was the first song I wrote. I remember just coming home from school one day and just writing a song, and I was like, whoa, like, I like that one. And it t- so, it took you, that this is an important thing for young songwriters mm-hmm. to hear, it took you multiple years before you finished a song. Yeah, I just been getting so frustrated when I used to try and songwrite before I actually started writing songs I was happy with. Because every time I would try and write a song, I would like write it, think I was really happy with it, and realize it sounded like another song I'd already heard. So I had a lot of trouble coming up with ideas that were my own. I think a lot of singers have that problem. Yeah. They're, they're writing music, and then they're like, well, doesn't it sound too much like this? It really did. Like, it was the same exact melody as the song I totally forgot existed. And I was like, really? Like, I thought I came up with that on my own. Well, don't forget. I mean, we listen to, and I always say this to young songwriters, we have so much music swimming around in our brain Mm -hmm. from the time we were little. 100%, yeah. It's impossible to... I don't say it's impossible to come up with something original, but it's impossible to come up with something that isn't influenced by something else. Definitely. And I was really, really frustrated at first, but then finally when I wrote that first song that didn't sound like another song, it was influenced by other songs, of course, but when I finally wrote that song that wasn't inspired or that didn't sound like other songs that were already out, it like opened a door for me that allowed me to just write songs that didn't sound like other songs. Like it just like, like a switch went off so my you, brain. So it clicked. Yeah, it clicked. It totally clicked. I would say... How would you describe... I don't want to describe your sound. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, how would you describe your sound? Um, so I used to be really inspired by the Beatles and Queen when I started writing music and a lot of the storytelling. And I kind of feel like now it's been like like seven years of songwriting, six years of songwriting. And now I still kind of like use that storytelling element that inspired me from the Beatles. But my sound's more bedroom pop, indie pop. But it used to be just like straight pop and kind of just like Beatles vibes. And now it's more 
bedroom pop, like flowy, Lana Del Rey vibes, I guess. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's a great description. Because I'm trying to think, like, how would I describe your music? I think just like vibey, flowy. Yeah, yeah, and very like very listenable. And this is like the stuff that I like listening to too, which is new because the older songs I used to write, I was happy with, but it wasn't stuff that I would choose to listen to on my own. And so now I'm kind of happy with how my sound has turned out. Yeah. Uh, so you've had an evolution. Yes. Well, <laughs> exactly. Obviously. I mean, and so do you mind me asking how old you are? Um, yeah, I'm 22. I just turned 22. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 22 is a good year. Yeah. Good year. Um, and apparently, though, for you, 19, 18, 20 were also great years, too. And yeah. You've been having, like, a run of fabulous years. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about... I want to go back a bit and talk a little bit about the influences. So clearly mm-hmm. you talked about the Beatles and some of those earlier songwriters that are really iconic that influenced you. Yeah. Any other artists that you would say really, really influenced your sound or your journey? Um, yeah. Well, like I said already, the Beatles, Queen, the Zombies. But now a lot of influences are Rex Orange County, Tyler, the Creator. It's my dream to collaborate with Tyler, the Creator. I really want to work with him. Uh, Lily Allen. I really love her storytelling and just the way that she kind of portrayed portrays situations in songs and I'm trying to think who else Lana Del Rey is another one um yeah off the top of my head those are oh Boy Pablo that's another band I really like and their sound has really influenced me a lot as well yeah so you've got some strong influences yeah that you still and I know you mentioned collaborating Mm -hmm. so I do know that you've done some collaborating um tell me tell me a little bit about the collaborations you've done and how that impacts the music that you make Mm mm-hmm so, in terms wait, collaborating in terms of, like, songs I've done or, like, producer? Either everything? way. Okay. I know, that's horrible. An open question is annoying. <laughs> you can so go in direction. Or talk about both. Both. Yeah, I'll cover both super quick. So, with my producer, I've worked with three that I've, like, made songs with that actually came out. But um, the producer I work primarily with, his name's Dariush, and he actually went to my college as well. And we met in the music production program, so that worked out really well. And yeah, he's a producer I work mostly with now, and the sound that you hear now is the sound that I kind of created with him. And then in terms of collaborating on songs, I've collaborated, I think I've done two collaborations. One of them was this guy on TikTok who, he's just a really, really big TikToker, and I liked his videos, and it turned out that he made music as well, so we ended up collaborating. I reached out to him on Instagram, and he responded. And then another collaboration, so maybe we'll talk about this later, but I had a song that kind of accidentally went viral a cover back in 2020 and I met this guy on TikTok who also had a song go accidentally viral another cover and we kind of just bonded over the fact that we both have songs that just accidentally went viral and I feel like a lot of people didn't understand that situation and we kind of just bonded over that and we were definitely together definitely going to talk about that because the whole concept of accidental viral is kind of interesting because viral for a singer or a songwriter or a musician is probably something people just dream about Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> so since since we're there, let's start the conversation. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that 2020 experience. It was crazy. Literally the week after the pandemic started, everything just started blowing up. So it was really, really nice. So You're the only person I know who blew up in the pandemic. Like really? you actually No, but I mean like you took the pandemic and like you completely, completely made your career something yeah. incredible throughout the process of literally not leaving your house. Yeah, that was really cool. So, um, yeah, I recorded a cover of Queen of Disaster by Lana Del Rey. It was one of my favorite songs. I don't really think much of it. I saw that the original audio was kind of going viral a bit on TikTok. And I was like, I'll record a cover of it. I really liked it. Because I'd recorded, I had success 
like smaller success with the cover I had recorded previously called Using You by an artist named Mars Argo. And so I was like, I'll try it with Kuna Disaster too and see what happens. And it just blew up overnight on TikTok. Literally, I released the song at like 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is midnight in New York. But I didn't know that songs actually come out 12 hours earlier, I think, or somewhere around that in countries across the world. And so I wanted, the, the way I found out that it went viral was I was gonna, I wanted to be the first one to post an audio with that, the cover I recorded on TikTok. Because if you're the first person to record a video using an audio, you get an original sound tag, which is really good because then when people are using the audio, they can look at who recorded the original sound. So that would have been really cool. And I went to go record a video and I saw that 30 other videos had already been recorded and the song had only been out for 10 minutes and I was so confused what yeah and so then I was like okay I guess I didn't get the original sound tag maybe there's a glitch maybe the song just got out early on accident but the next day there were like 100 videos the next day 150 and it turned out that somehow there was a trend that had started in Indonesia follow me here where there was like a rare popsicle it took me a lot of like like snooping around TikTok to figure out why the song had gone viral, but I figured out so there was a real rare popsicle in Indonesia, and I guess there's a lot of like mini markets around Indonesia. Um, I don't know like what part exactly, but so people would use my audio of Queen of Disaster, and they would start the video off panning their city, panning themselves, and then showing themselves getting in their car on their like Vespa, and then going to a market, panning the market, and looking for this rare ice cream or popsicle or something and at the course of the song they would show themselves finding the ice cream and that is the trend that caused my video or and my song to go viral. so that specific so, so people were just making the same video of them doing this thing yeah and always with your song yeah what it was so weird but it was so cool i just it was so random and then radio stations started playing uh, my cover of queen of disaster in indonesia i actually did a radio promo for a station in indonesia and i learned to speak like a sentence in indonesia can you still remember um i think is it indonesian it is right uh-huh. okay can Maybe you still you're like no let's not talk yeah. about indonesian yeah but um yeah uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, I ended up getting on these radio charts also in Indonesia. It was for like the public radio, and my song was number one for like three weeks, Queen of Disaster. And then I looked up Queen of Disaster on YouTube one day, and there were a bunch of Indonesian like older ladies doing like a little line dance to Queen of Disaster too. And there were just so many video tutorials of dances and karaoke videos, and like it was so strange, but it was so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing when you think about it. Like, that's what it, that's what you were doing in mm-hmm. 2020. You were literally sitting in your house and watching this song blow up. Mm-hmm. Nuts. So how did you parlay that? So you didn't stop there, though. That's the interesting thing. No. I, I feel like that really was for you a catalyst to push you forward to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, one thing I always think is remarkable about what you do is you always find a trend almost before it happens. Yeah. And I'm... Um, super curious as to how you do that honestly just tiktok like i'm just on tiktok a lot and then sometimes when i like was scrolling through my feed i just saw that um i kept noticing the same audios popping up and then i'm like okay maybe record a cover of it and it's just kind of worked every time which has been really cool and how many times have you done this now uh four times the fourth time didn't work as well it was another lana del rey cover but the first three times each of the covers are over a million which is really cool oh my god yeah over a million on spotify yeah that's insane. Okay, so tell us now, just just for a fun recap to see where you're at, how many streams do you have on Spotify now? Um, I think 17 million. <laughs> what does that feel like? That's got to be insane. It feels crazy, yeah. It's hard to like process, honestly. 17 million. That's incredible. So how often... Now, the, the, one, the other thing, too, I, I really would love to stress is the fact that you don't stop working. Mm-hmm. 
right? You are always, always working on the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the best things about talking to Lola on a regular basis is, is having her come in or do a lesson and I'll say, what's going on this week? And you always have like, like a massive update. Yeah. So what was your strategy around building off of the success with the Queen of Disaster? Honestly, after Queen of Disaster for a bit, like I just wanted to keep releasing songs every single month. Um, none of them were like doing as well as Queen of Disaster. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen after the cover because that was just like crazy viral. Like, and so I didn't, I knew that it was like other songs that released after probably weren't going to do that well right away. But um, I ended up just releasing a song, um, I want to say in that month, March, April, May, June. Um, July, and I think I like took a break and then September, October, November, December. And one of the songs I released in November, Dirty Clothes, that one also did really well on TikTok. So it took a while, honestly, after that viral song. It was like, it was kind of hard. I was like, I feel like I was in a low point for a while just because, like, after going viral, it's so, like, like a letdown just to be normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then Dirty Clothes did really well, so that was really cool. And that song's at a million, too. That was my first song to reach a million. On, and that's yeah, yours. An original song, yeah. An original song. Yeah, so that was really cool. Now, in between Queen of Disaster and Dirty Clothes, you must have done something to build your fan base or to maintain it. Because it's one thing to go viral and mm -hmm. another thing to create a fan base. Oh, definitely, yeah. So how did you do that? I started going live a lot on TikTok. And then a lot of fans and listeners were just reaching out. And I started to just make some group chats on Instagram where I'd keep in touch with fans, keep them updated. And that was really cool. And that kind of helped create a more solid, you know, group of listeners. Yeah. Well, and I noticed, too, that you tend to be really supportive of other artists. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, is there something in that sense that you have a community that's helpful? Definitely, yeah, a bit. I have noticed that a lot of independent artists, especially like near where I am now, because when I first started out, everyone's so supportive of each other, but now it's kind of like just a bunch of like, you know, like mean people. People are just for themselves. No one's really supportive of each other. And so that's been definitely like a shock, I guess, because I've kind of been pushed out into like, I feel like a new bracket of independent artists or artists that have managers and like a lot of people aren't supported most of the artists I support like you know who are just starting out you know or also support me I guess if that makes sense yeah. yeah so you have like a community of people who are boosting each other yeah exactly at a certain level and then you hit another level where are do you feel like there's a competition at that oh point? absolutely yeah like no one wants to help each other it's very like evident you know on social media and just like you know I've tried to reach out to artists before that are like around where I am, you know, and a lot of them like will be like, I like respond to all my fans, like DM me on Instagram and I'll DM them, you know, and I'm verified. It's like, you know, you can see that I DM them and they just won't respond. And it's like, you know, they saw the message. And so it's like, that's something I did not expect to happen. You would think, you would think it would be the collaborative opposite. the yeah, whole way. Exactly. But it's definitely not like they're definitely, I saw a turning point when people will just not, you know care about anyone but themselves that's like really difficult because you know it's it can be a really lonely career and path and you would think that there's a lot of people who would want to be friends you know but it's not the case <laughs> or maybe they just feel like they don't need to anymore. exactly yeah like they hit a certain level and they're like well whatever now I'm out for me exactly yeah which do you think it would probably be more beneficial if they maintained the original mindset oh absolutely yeah because everyone's fans can like ultimately be each other's but it's it's definitely not that way which is kind of interesting because you would think you would want to multiply that effect exactly yeah like why wouldn't you want to reach out to somebody else's fans and share your fans with them mm -hmm. that seems like it makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. instead of instead not of not to, to like, a lot of artists you'd be surprised yeah that's 
more than surprising, it's disappointing. Yeah, it, yeah, very. Because collaboration, at least for me, collaboration when you're making art is one of the best parts. Definitely, of I love it so much. And there's been so many people I wanted to work with and collaborate with, and just no responses. Or yeah, you know, I'd love to, but I'm really busy right now. Like something about this industry is no one's ever really like that busy. You know, if you want to make time <laughs> yeah. for someone, you can make time. You know what I mean? I've just gotten so many responses. I'm just so busy. You know, I'm working on my own projects right now. Like trust me, if there's someone that someone wants to collaborate with really badly, they're gonna make time. So it's just really, it's honestly been kind of a letdown. But that part of it, yeah. So at this point now, I know we've talked before about uh, management mm-hmm. and you looking at finding management and moving in that direction. Have you decided to move in that direction or are you still doing your own thing? I'm completely independent as of right now, but I really am still looking for a manager. I'm so just not, I don't want to say desperate, but I'm really, really looking for a manager because it is getting extremely hard to balance everything on my own. I'm super happy and I'm able to kind of manage it right now by myself and I've gotten to where I am because of what I've done on my own and I haven't taken any really bad deals from certain managers that have reached out, but still it is so difficult to kind of just not have another person to bounce your stuff off of, you know, and kind of just help you make phone calls and, you know, help you send emails and stay on track and stuff like that. So at this point, how many how many releases do you have out on Spotify or I think I have twenty five. Wow. Yeah. And EPs are like full length albums. I or? released one EP back in August of twenty twenty one. I had five songs on it, but aside from that, um, everything else is just singles. Now that's an interesting strategy. Like that is such a current strategy in terms of like. Mm-hmm releasing music and creating content because at this point we're talking more about creating content than we are even about releasing music a lot yeah honestly it's a little bit of both definitely so how do you balance because you you have to think about creating music that you still feel very passionate and Mm -hmm. happy about but also engaging fans yeah definitely i honestly don't balance that well i'm having a lot of trouble (laughs) balancing it that's definitely because i really would just prefer to not even have social media and just continue to make music and collaborate but you really have to be like full send on social media all the time or people are just going to like consider you irrelevant. Well, I mean, it's people's attention spans are so short. Exactly. Yeah. So you, it's back in the day, maybe I guess you could have had somebody do that piece of it for you, market for you. Yeah. But at this point, it seems like you have to constantly be working both ends of it. Exactly. And that's what would be nice to have like a manager or a team or someone who could kind of help me film the videos while I, you know, work on the music and the writing and getting better at my craft, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, luckily though, you've been, you've been getting great at your, your craft. Thank you. Yeah. There are just a lot of artists who are kind of around where I am who have, you know, full teams who are, you know, making a whole production of videos where I'm just kind of like trying to find any time I can to film and write. And it definitely is very like draining. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're, you've got, you've got all the hats on yourself, mm-hmm. all of them yourself. Um, some, some questions I had, actually, some people, I, I did mention I was going to be talking to you today, and I had a couple of people in my Master Your Voice Facebook group Ooh. who reached out with some questions for you. So I hope you don't mind yeah, answering. Yeah, definitely. So the first one is, what is some advice you might have on growing your social media and fan base? Honestly. Aside from going viral, which I can, you probably can't <laughs> Well, that's definitely a good, yeah, a good way to do it. But definitely just DMing and reaching out to as many people as you can. When I started off, I just sent messages to so many people every day saying, Hi, I'm a songwriter. I'd love to like, support you. you know, I'd love for you to check out my music. And then kind of just what I would do is reach other people and listen to their music and actually you know, give them comments about what I liked about their music so they would be more inclined to listen to mine. And then, so actually listen, not BS like, yeah. I like your music and here, follow me. Yeah, no, that makes me want to block someone if they message me that. <laughs> really just 
listening. If you really want like organic fans and listeners, you kind of have to DM them, listen to at least one of their songs, tell them you like a specific line. It's really flattering to tell another artist, you know, I really like this part of your song. Then they're more inclined to check out your music too. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So reach out to people, DM them. Don't be afraid to reach out specifically exactly, yeah. to a fan base. And which, which social media platforms do you really engage on? Um, I know you mentioned TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, when I talk about the DMing, it's mostly Instagram. That's kind of my main platform aside from TikTok. Otherwise, I have a Twitter and a Facebook, but I just don't use them that often. It's too much. I've kind of just decided to pick two platforms and just kind of go full send with those because it's too much to for me at least. To manage it? All oh, so joke like you're 22, really Facebook? Yeah, no, a lot of <laughs> artists use it, and Instagram really pushes you to use it because they're owned by the same person now. But yeah. I, I just don't understand Facebook. <laughs> no, I just find it so funny because to me, Facebook is like for live. Definitely not your generation. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it just seems, seems kind of funny. Um, so aside from so social media, building a fan base, DMing, reaching out to people and trying to make genuine connections, mm-hmm. not, you know, spam, exactly, spamming yeah. people, but really making a genuine connection and, and offering to listen to their music and to support them. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a two-way street. Exactly, yeah. And you can become friends and you're down the line. If, you know, your music or their music blows up, they might take you with them. So yeah, which yeah. has happened to you. Exactly. To and yeah. you've helped other artists in that way, too. Definitely. Yeah, it's I love that. So then, so that's really building traction off of building relationships. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of an interesting thing because we like to think that social media is so different than the real world. But I feel like that's exactly the advice somebody would have given 25 years ago. Yeah. To reach out, make personal connections, connections exactly. and network. But you're just figuring out how to do it in this more holistic way that's online. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously the world is way bigger than what we would have had, you know, number Definitely, yeah. Uh... It's really, really cool. So, another question that I think this is probably really pertinent. Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew that you know now? When you started out. Oh, I just wish I would have gotten on TikTok sooner. Because I think if I had been one of the first, like, artists, independent artists to promote myself on TikTok, I would have been really, really, really successful by this point. Do you think it's still good advice, given the fact that it's kind of... Do you feel like it's saturated? Or do you think oh, you still must have so a TikTok? it's so saturated. But you still really should have a TikTok just to, like, stay updated with current twins. twins. <laughs> stay updated with current trends and just to really know what's going on. But... It, literally even from a year ago my tiktoks were doing so much better but now there's so many people and artists on the app but it's still good for networking meeting people reaching out definitely harder to go viral but i definitely recommend being on tiktok for sure if you're an independent artist yeah so that's like Im- imperative mm-hmm. imperative so tiktok uh, yeah. tiktok tiktok now the other question i have for you is you seem to kind of get how the algorithms work mm-hmm. i don't know that everybody understands that it's kind of just trial and error, honestly. Like, I just won't stop until, like, something works out to me. I'm kind of obsessed with instant gratification, and when I don't have it, I feel depressed. <laughs> and so I really just will not stop until something works. So I guess that's kind of understanding the algorithm, but it changes so much that, I don't know, I couldn't say anything that would help because... Tomorrow it will be different. Exactly. But you have to constantly be almost studying it. Yeah, exactly, which is also draining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... It's amazing what you've been able to accomplish literally in just a couple of years. Thank you. I mean, the idea of 17 million streams on Spotify, that's insane. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's the kind of thing I'm like, um, maybe over the course of not in my lifetime. <laughs> of course, I don't sing that kind of music, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely not a pop music person. But um, it is something that people would just dream to have. Mm-hmm. And you must realize having done it in two years is kind it's of It's still hard to process for me. Like, I don't understand it sometimes. Like, what really, like, hit me was the other day I was looking at my listeners. I get about... 
I think 22,000 listeners a day. Like, just crazy. And, like, listeners is not streamed. So, listeners is the people who are streaming, individuals who are streaming your music. It suddenly really hit me, and the other day I was looking at it, I was like, 22,000 people. I don't know 22,000 people. You know, and it kind of just you hit me. And do you like, know, like, 200 people? I don't people? know. Like, you know, and it just, like, hit me, and I was like, whoa, like, that's a lot of people. Like, I don't know. It took me a second to just, like, But I think the funnier that. thing, too, to watch, too, is see where in the world they're listening. Exactly, yeah. Um, most of my top listeners for, like, a thick minute were in Indonesia. But now a lot of them are in LA, which is really cool. LA is one of my top cities, which is really, really awesome. So you've had a lot of online success, mm-hmm. a lot of recording success, building a fan base. Yeah. Where are you with live performance? <sighs> Everyone asks me that. I really, they? I, yeah. I thought I was being original. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really love live performing, but I don't really have a band right now. It is so much work without a team. And I'm not, I feel like I keep saying, I think so much work it is, but just live performing, I just, don't I can't right now like if I want I'm what I decided is I'm kind of trying to go live on TikTok every day I usually try to go live for two hours at least like three or four times and as a voice teacher by the way make sure you are taking care of your voice if you're going to do that well let's figure it out how to go live for two hours a day and like (laughs) but you did have to to transition into it yeah no it was definitely a lot of work but now I can kind of like sing for two hours straight and still talk which is really cool but um, that's kind of where I'm just like putting my, I don't want to say money because it doesn't cost anything to do it, but they're just time. like putting my time yeah. and like all my eggs into that basket. And a lot of people were like, no, you should be live performing because you never know who's going to be in the audience. But it's like with TikTok, you really never know who's going to be in the audience. Like my video could be on Justin Bieber's, you know, for you page. And it's just like the amount of um, good I get from going live or the amount of positive, I forgot the word, but it's just. It helps me a lot more than what a live performance would do because I've done live performances and maybe I'll get like two followers on Instagram. It's like I really just spent the entire day going out to LA, packing up all my stuff, you know, getting all my instruments, practicing, stressing, you know. You're 100% correct. Whereas TikTok, I can just sit down, go live for two hours. I'll get like, you know, 50 followers and, you know, out of those 50, maybe there's 10 who like will become hardcore fans, which is so much more valuable to me than that. Even though a lot of people still don't understand that, like, but you should still be live performing. It's like, I am live performing. It's just until I kind of build a bigger fan base in LA, it doesn't, personally, it doesn't make sense to me to live perform. And a lot of people disagree with that, but that's just kind of what I've been doing. No, I think it makes actually incredible sense when you consider the fact that we we talked earlier about how the networking thing translates online. Is Mm -hmm. it the same thing you would do in person? You're just reverse engineering that. Exactly, yeah. A lot of people, like, know me for going live on TikTok. It's kind of my thing. And, like, yeah, I would love to do live performances. But something cool, like, a positive and negative going live on TikTok is I'm getting a lot of fans, but a lot of fans from all over the world. So that's a good thing because then they can share it with their friends. But also, it's not like I'm just, like, getting yeah. known in L.A. and then kind of expanding. No, out. your reach is so I'm kind of just going bigger, out yeah. and then going back in. But it's working for me, I guess. It's just... Well, and yeah, and then the first time you yeah. actually do a live performance, it might actually have a decent-sized audience. Exactly, yeah. And I've done a few... I've done, like, one or two shows that are just me, like, just my music. And I've done a lot of open mics, but it's just... I don't know. I feel like I'm in this weird middle spot, too, where it's, I've done a lot of open mics, and when I've gone to a lot of open mics in L.A., it's, like, with a bunch of people who have never even performed before. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, like, you know, I'm really trying to find people who are kind of just, like, where I am in terms of just, like... And that's the challenge, too, because yeah. you kind of jumped the line and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, most people will start, and they'll do the open mics. They'll do, like, the coffee house stuff. Yeah, I had so many of those, yeah. but now it's, like, yeah. now what? Because and you do a concert. Yeah. You might have, like, if you... You'll maybe one. The next step would be what? You do a concert that, like, you're with a bunch of other artists, and you each have a set. 
Exactly. Right? You yeah, have to bring really a certain cool. number of like yeah. people in. They have to buy their two drink minimum, whatever that is. Exactly. Guarantee the house. And then yeah. eventually, hopefully you get to the point where you're you're the headliner or you're mm-hmm. opening for somebody that's a headliner. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do because at the but same But you're past time too, all of those yeah. bottom end things. So you need yeah. to kind of jump in on that. I'm going to open for somebody. You know, exactly. At the same time too, it's kind of difficult because there's a lot of, you know, companies that will reach out to you and be like, hey, do you want to perform at this it's not only an open mic, but this set with three other artists, but you have to buy 10 tickets. Right. It's like, I'm just making my friends buy like $20 tickets every time I perform. I don't want to do that, you know? So I'd right. rather just save everyone the trouble. Well, and you're not you're not the person that has to do that because it's not as if you're trying to grow your fan base. It's not going to grow your fan base to the same extent that even just go just going on TikTok for two hours. And the thing is with me too, I think those shows are great for people who are starting out and who have never performed live and want that experience. But with those kinds of shows, a lot of people are in the same boat as I am where they're inviting their friends. Their friends aren't going to want to support my music. Their friends are there for them and they're going to leave right after they're done performing. It's the same thing with my family, you know. The yeah, they're not coming to see everybody else. Yeah, yeah. so it's, I don't know. It, to me, it's, I don't want to say anything's a waste of time because everything's a learning experience, but I wouldn't do it again. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not where you're at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you're essentially where you need to find like an opportunity where you're opening for a bigger act. Exactly, yeah. So it might actually do you some good. Because I found too that a lot of these companies who have reached out, I'm not going like to name any companies, but a lot of these companies that have reached out about me performing in these sets of other artists or these showcases, showcase is the word, um, I feel like I'm being used... Oh, yeah. For my followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they think that a lot of people are just going to come out because I'm there. And it, it doesn't feel good. It's just, it feels like a waste of time. It doesn't feel good. It feels like I'm being used. It's just not my thing at 100%. all. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, at this point, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But I definitely encourage, you know, artists that are just starting out to really do it because it's free for you and it's good experience. You might as well get some experience performing live. But for me, I just like, I've done that. I need something. Well, and you've else. done a fair amount of live performance. Yeah. So it's not like you're saying, I can't go live. You can't do live performance. Yeah, I've done it. And if I always like say, I guess the, the, res- the automatic response that I give people when they just can't understand why I don't perform live. I'll just tell them, you know, if I get invited on the Ellen show tomorrow, I can pull a group together and we'll be fine. You know? Yeah. And, and, and you have actually, you have yeah. done things like that. Exactly. I mean, not to like that big, like the Ellen show, but if you know what I'm saying, just, I'd be ready for something if something happened. But right now, you know, my band members are in school, like the few that I have. And then, yeah, I just, I think I'm prepared for now. And if something happens, great. And if not, you know, I'm good. <laughs> you just keep riding the momentum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you're stopping. Mm-hmm. No, not anytime soon. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm working on music full time now that I've graduated, so that's been really fun. Oh, how happy are you to be done with college? Very, yeah. <laughs> we always have a ton of conversations about you going to college, and it was always kind of interesting because a lot of people think they have to go to school for music. Yeah. And your experience, we didn't really talk that much about it. Mm-hmm. At graduating with a communications major, mm-hmm. right? But you did start in music industry. I did, yeah. So did you initially feel like you had to major in music to be a musician? No, I just wanted to because I don't really like anything else. (laughs) (laughs) So we switched to communications because it was easier. Yeah, and the other thing too, I'm kind of just frustrated because there was supposed to be a music business major at my school and I think I would have transferred if it 
if I had known that that wasn't going to happen, but I was promised by people that there would be a music production or a music business major, as were many other people. So a lot of people kind of got screwed over in the end because we didn't end up getting a music business major. And so that's kind of why I switched to comm. I was in comm just because I didn't want to be in music production, but I was kind of just banking on the fact that I would switch back to music You were business. just waiting. For I was waiting, yeah. yeah. And then the pandemic happened and then that didn't happen. And then everyone was disappointed. But I feel it's okay. like the pandemic did that to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, oh, we're going to do all these things and nothing happened because definitely yeah. you know all, everything just kind of went stop or pause mm-hmm. and just get through but the the downside of that for young people is like it's not just get through for you guys you have two years mm-hmm. like you can't just hit pause you still have to keep growing and doing things you mean during the pandemic yeah yeah <laughs> definitely during that the was a lot that was a lot mm-hmm. like, very frustrating but uh, for <laughs> you i mean for many people that was a devastating thing, and I do. It may have been incredibly devastating, but the interesting thing was watching how you navigated that. Yeah, definitely, and I'm really glad I took the path that I did. I guess yeah. I didn't stop working on music. You know, I just if anything, I felt like the school stuff was an adjunct to your music. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I was able to put music first, which was really nice. So it gave you the opportunity to go, I don't have to worry yeah. about this. I'll take the class. I'll do what I have to exactly. do. Exactly. And I had online classes, but I would kind of just mute it and then just go play piano and like, do something. <laughs> you know? I feel like that is not uncommon for many people. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, I'm nice. on Zoom. I'm going to make it go dark here and I'll be playing the piano. Exactly. Someone's yeah. talking to me. Just leave my camera off. No one has to know. No one has to know I'm practicing. Yeah. My friends and I would always talk about, you know, we'd put in the same effort that our teachers did, you know. So if it's like automatic pre-recorded lectures, why am I here? You know what I mean? Mm. So. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I learned a lot about music in college, though. Was it, like, because of the college? No, but <laughs> I yeah. still learned a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, the interesting thing watching you is you're so very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Like, you're always thinking about how do I do this thing my way? And even, like, you are, you're always reassessing, mm-hmm. which I love that the fact that you're even like, why do I have to perform live? I think so many people will take, will take the status quo and assume that that's the way you're supposed to do it because... Because every that's what everybody tells you. You're Definitely, to do. yeah. Like the same thing with even just going to college in general. Like everyone says you're supposed to go to college. And like I don't know if you feel this too, but I just feel like a lot of like older people in the music industry, whether they had success where they wanted to have success or not, I feel like they'll all kind of give the same advice. You know, like you should be live performing all the time. But are they saying that because they want to help you, or they're saying that because they want you to go through what they did? You know what I mean? I think that's really fair. And I I think the reality is, too, for those of us who are in music and in music education and that side Mm -hmm. of it, I know for myself, I'm constantly reevaluating the the advice I give to my students. Mm -hmm. Because the world changes so fast. Exactly, yeah. But you have all those really old people in the music industry who will just give the same advice, even though they know for a fact that... It's not good advice. It's just they want you to go through the same hardships that they did. Or they just feel like, you know, hey, this is the answer I give, and it's the answer I've given for 50 years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's the same thing like taking a college class where you're like, this syllabi has not been updated in 10 years. And especially in something like music industry. Mm -hmm. It's almost hard for me to believe in a program that will say, here's music industry. Mm -hmm. Because music industry changes so fast. Yeah. I don't even see how, how a program can keep up with that rate of change. Exactly, yeah, and I think that something that sets people, or the way you can tell someone's really, really good in the music industry knows what they're doing is if they're, you know, not born, well, currently not born in, like, the 90s, about 2000s, and are still very, very up-to-date on all the technology that really shows you a really good person in music production. Because you you stay tr- you It's stay changing current. so much, yeah, you yeah. have to stay current. Same with any kind of technology, you know? Yeah, which is a challenge, and it's, like, on the daily, that's what I was thinking, like, you, if, you're in, if you're in higher ed, you're like, I've got to rewrite the syllabus. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you, in order to rewrite the syllabus, you're, you're talking about working months in advance or years to change or to even have a new class adopted takes forever. Exactly. So uh, by the time you've gotten that class adopted, it's already out of date. Exactly, which is really, really frustrating. But the cool thing is you are staying three steps ahead of the game almost all yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying my best. And that's another reason why I didn't like music production. You know, I think it's really cool and impressive that people can do it. But I'm so bad with technology in general. You know, I can turn on a computer and, you know, press record. And if someone tells me, plug this in, plug this in, I'll just leave it there, turn it on and off. But I just figuring out technology, mm -mm, like not my thing. I can't do it. So I was just like, this is not it for me, you know. But so, but you should give yourself more credit though. Because it may not be the, the technical side of it may not be the thing you're trying to stay up to date on. But social media, yeah. I but you're that, having that no problem figuring out how to how to spot the trends in social media. Exactly, yeah. And that's like, I feel like everyone's good at something. I think that's like my niche. But figuring out technology, updating systems, plugging in certain things. And I'm also so indecisive. And being decisive is, I think, what sets apart really good producers from not so Oh, yeah, because otherwise she'll be like for four hours literally sitting staring at like 10 seconds of music. Because I'm not going to like drop any names and I've definitely worked with, you know, very indecisive producers and they're always asking me, you know, it doesn't matter if producers indecisive to take that back as long as the person they're working with is a decisive person because you want to have a balance, you know, because yeah. I've worked with indecisive producers before like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? And it just, nothing gets done, you know. And so you're spending hours and hours just asking each other, what do you think? A lot of people are like surprised by this, I guess, but when I'm working with the producer, I'll honestly just give them full creative freedom like I'm a very controlling person <laughs> but when it comes to my art but when it comes to producing like just do whatever you want and then I'll look at it and tell you what I want to change and that makes them happy it makes me happy I'll tell you what you and I totally agree on that mm -hmm. in terms of an artistic process I think whenever I'm working with whether I'm directing or whatever I think you hire the people you think are good at their job let them do their job. Exactly. And then if there's an issue, come back and say something. All that matters is that I get the final say, you know, yeah, as long yeah, as yeah, they yeah. are happy. You know, it makes them happy it too. Does. Yeah. Because you're hiring people who hopefully are competent enough to manage the job. Yeah. You know, if you were hiring people who didn't know what they were doing, it'd be a different story. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a really, really good piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Now let's get back to, we did a lot of business chat. Mm -hmm. I want to get back to talking about your music. So I would love to share with my listeners one of your songs and have you tell us a little bit about it and what your writing process is. So getting back to Lola the artist mm -hmm. and not Lola the incredibly impressive music <laughs> Thank you. Um, Lola the incredibly impressive singer and songwriter. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the song. Hey, what's, which song do you want to share with us? And um, tell me about how you wrote it. Like what was the writing process? So I have a new song coming out this Friday, April 29th called Thunderstorm. And I can tell you about that process. Yeah, tell us about it. So um, this is one of the first times I actually did this with my producer, but we are going to start doing it more often where we were just sitting in his studio and I've been listening to Pink Panthers a lot. I don't know if you've heard of the artist before, no. but she makes a lot of, I don't know how to describe her music, honestly, but check out her music if you're listening to Pink this. Pink Pantheris? Yeah, Pink Pantheris. <laughs> it's like a tricky thing to spell. Exactly, and say. But I really liked her music, and it's just, her music's also doing very, very well on TikTok right now. And so I was like, um, I usually jump for the things that do well on TikTok. I really like her music. And so um, we actually made a beat together. So I kind of just sat down, and he was kind of just trying sounds. I'm like, oh, do something like that's like, you know, with that sound and that sound, and make it like this fast. And, you know, they, he would do it. And then I just, he was working on the beat, and he just kept looping in, adding things to it while I was just writing lyrics. And we literally wrote, or I wrote the song. He made the beat so quickly, and the song was done in like a week, and we recorded it the next week. So this is a really fast one. So, and it was totally collaborative. Yeah. So it wasn't like you sat down, you wrote chords, you like, do you ever do it like that? Like, how do you normally write your songs? 
Um, sometimes I'll, like, play piano and then record voice memos and then bring it to a producer who will then create a beat based on the chords I recorded. So, chords, music, then lyrics? Mm, yeah, for yeah. the most part, yeah. Or I'll have my voice memos on, I'll just play some random chords and then see if, like, kind of freestyle over it and see if I get something. And you write all your own lyrics? Yeah, I've written with one or two friends before, but... I haven't really found that many people who are interested in collaborating with me songwriting-wise. Well, that's definitely their loss. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, yeah. I'm really trying to find more people, but again, like I said, it's very, very, very difficult to, like, crack into that. I mean, at least for me. Well, and not just that, too. Like, you have your own voice Mm -hmm. and your own style, and so getting somebody else to do that with you is tricky. Exactly, yeah. Hopefully soon someone will reach out. I've been reaching out to people, but no luck so far. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like it's going to be too long before something else. Well, there's never, it's never too long, Lola, before you figure something else out. Yeah. <laughs> to me, you know, like a week in my mind is, you know, two years, you know? I feel like that sounds like the exact correct description. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, every time I talk to you, what did you do this week? Well, I had three new sponsorships. Of yeah, no, my producer today was telling me Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm like, I want to build it in a day. You're yeah. like, uh, yeah, I did. I would do it. Yeah. If, I were, if I were Roman, it would be yeah. a day. But it's but seriously, so much so much success. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a minute here to play your new song again. What's the name of it? Thunderstorm. Thunderstorm with Lola. And who else do we want to credit for this? Um, my producer producer Dariush. Dariush. And where can we find it? Um, the song. Yep. You can find it on all streaming platforms by searching Thunderstorm by all capitals L O space L A. That's my artist name. And don't forget, it's all caps. Yeah, all capitals, L-O, space, L-A. Yes, awesome. So here it is, without further ado. I'm about to sleep at night, thinking about you all the time. Friends all tell me I'm insane, rain is falling on my face. I don't really care that much, seeing you is such a rush. Telling me I'm being played, they don't know I like the game. Storm. How cool. Thank you. <laughs> you have just the most chill sounding voice. So smooth and like 
I hope you don't think this is not a compliment, but very listenable. Thank you. Like it just makes you want to relax. <laughs> it's such a great color, and I love it. And I love too that it's just so uniquely yours. Thank you. And that's everything you ever want in a singer, right? You mm-hmm. want it, you want the sound to be. Here's Lola. She doesn't sound like anybody else. Like <laughs> thank you. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success. And thank you so much for coming in and having a chat with us. It's been so informative, and I think my listeners are going to feel really educated about what it's like to be a new music artist now. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, absolutely. And where can they find it? They can find you on Spotify. Yeah, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Deezer, iTunes, Tidal, by searching all capitals L-O space L-A, or you can look me up on Instagram or TikTok by searching at music by Lola underscore, and just click the link in my bio to find all of my music. And there's tons. So go down that rabbit hole. You won't be disappointed. Thanks again, Lola. Thank you. And thank you so much for tuning into the Master Your Voice podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Heidi Voss. For more information about me and my work, feel free to check out my website, www.vossvoice.com. That's V as in Victor, A, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, voice.com. Until next time, just keep singing. <laughs>